Good morning. This is my name is Stacy. In case you haven't met me yet, I'm going to be your teacher this morning. So this is annoying me already. Excuse me while I move my thingy majiggy. Okay. Well, as I was contemplating this assignment. I'm thankful for Les for switching with me because I'm scheduled every second week to lead worship. It's kind of hard to, to make myself available for both things, so he was gracious enough to switch with me. And so I had an extra week to kind of think about this. So I was grateful for that extra time as well. But as I, um, after Brazil, I did begin to look into what God would have me to do with you all today. And he very clearly said, um, and I'm going to bring this clear word to you as soon as I remember what he said. I'm sorry. Um, oh, endure hardness as a good soldier. I'm so sorry. It's on the second page, so I'm not even hitting it first. So, so yeah, he just said endure hardness as a good soldier. And so I, you know, of course, immediately started doing word studies on, on that verse and different things. And, you know, he just really wasn't saying anything else about that. But I, listen, he said it, and I was sticking with it regardless of how I felt about it. Um, but, because there is a lot of really cool things in this. It's just we've, we've studied this so many times. I mean, this is, this is like Warfare 101 for us. But this is the word he gave, and so I, I, I think I kind of expanded it through uh, using the words in this verse as ancillary word studies. So we're going to look at a couple of the words closer to see how else they are utilized, hopefully gleaning um, a clearer picture of what God is saying to us about this scenario uh, and who we are before him as saints and his partners, those who are committed to his mission, and the warfare that we're, we're going to have to do on behalf of the mission. So um, let's begin just by reading this verse. That's all we're going to do to start out, and then we'll um, break it down and parse it out as we go. Second uh, Timothy 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through 10. Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit, Thou too faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of, Christ, of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, for they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So let's begin with um, verse, verses 1 and 2. Um, this actually broke down into five sections. And so, you know, being the saint that I am in the house in which I dwell, 
I applied the fivefold to these five sections, and I found this to be of the apostle, speaking of our mission. Talking about uh, being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I really, I mean, that was probably the thing that grabbed me when I first looked at this passage. Um, because I hadn't seen being endued with grace before. I mean, I'm sure I've read this a million times. You know how it is. But just applying the principle because you're looking at it for a purpose <laughs> really was a great highlight for me that, that grace is actually um, part of the dunamis family. It, it empowers us to do something. And we're going to find out in verse 2 that it's empowering us to teach others. So it says that the things that you've heard of me among many other people who are doing this, commit that to faithful men that will also be able to teach others. So as we know in this house, our leader did this for us. He paratithemate into us so that we could teach and we had to be able to go out and paratithemate for others to teach them how to teach. They have to be tithed into um, so that they may be able to continue to teach others. But this is a, um, it's a huge calling because we are really at the forefront of the warfare that is going to be required in order for this fulfillment to be done, to be, to be seen and realized. Um, I gave you the definitions there of these two words for your benefit but I'm not going to read those because I think you're familiar with them and I just touched on them in this uh, an overview way. Um, the other thing that I think is important about this passage is the inclusion of faithful men. So having just been to Brazil, we are teaching them to become faithful men and women. That is the only way they're going to be able to step into this, this role of teaching others also. So that is always the first step. And, and I think um, probably with other people, probably with everyone, whether you went or you didn't go, there's probably warfare that you have endured on behalf of this message being released in this hour in Brazil. It's not the first trip. So this has already happened, but there was something monumentally different about this gathering um, than what we had in the previous years, not the least of which is the three-year gap between the last time we went and this, this particular trip. So it's very, very crucial um, that this, uh, we get a foothold there and even a stronghold of saints who are willing to be faithful to the message, begin to stand at the right hand of the Father and receive um, fresh revelation, receive the teachings, and continue that, um, that walk of, of uh, being to embody the message and to then teach it. Let's look at some passages um, regarding this point of being endued with the dunamis because this is a, um, a verb, or maybe it's an adverb, being strong in the faith. It's, uh, uh, 
it's describing the type of faith or the grace. But to be endued, let's look at Romans 4, verse 20 through 22. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was endued with faith. He had the dunamis, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And this is, again, a verse that we're very familiar with, something that we now know that we are walking in his footsteps, the path that he forged. We are uh, partakers of that. And there's a dunamis that is given to those who are walking in faith, who will believe the promise. It is you guys, you cannot dismiss or count a, as a small thing that, that you're standing still, that you actually believe the message, that you weren't someone who left a message that God had given to you. You're still standing. And I believe it's what you did at the right hand that kept you here. That's why you're endued with the dunamis, is that point of faithfulness that you showed through these years. And this same thing is something we're going to pay, pray upon these other saints that they would begin to pray so that their faith would be endued with the dunamis and they would be able to stand and hang on to the promises that God is giving them for their nation and uh, on behalf of the calling that God is going to give them. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I mean, this is pretty much a signature warfare passage of, if I've ever heard one. This is leading up to the whole armor of God being, you know, endued upon us. And we have these power words that are included in this regarding um, being able to stand with the dunamis and the iscus. And I gave you a little definition there for the iscus broken down very simply it basically talks about the conquering of a land or a territory which is what we're doing we're trying to invade the nation of brazil the continent right of south america so this is uh, an iscus work that we are doing and the angels are partnering with that the iscus angels are partnering with with us in that but i remember some time ago um, when, and I can, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was in the recent past when pastors started telling us, you need to start putting on the whole armor of God every day. And I have to admit, when I was given that instruction, I really hadn't been doing that. I mean, I did that for so long, and then you just kind of move on, and you don't make that a part of your practice. And But I, I kind of think we're in a season where that needs to be part of our daily constitution, as it were, before the Lord, that we, we put on the whole armor of God. We have to think of ourselves as warriors, those defending um, the faith, but also um, those who are conquering. And um, in that, there will be things that we have to um, in overcome in the midst of that. Um, Philippians 4, 12 and 13, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. 
I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So another facet of conquering a land or a territory is, are these factors being abased, abounding, having great points of victory, being full and hungry, something we were talking to the Brazilians about, and then being able to suffer need. These are all things that we're going to feel in the midst of our mission, and uh, I think that we really girded ourselves up going into the mission, and we girded up Brazil and those uh, potential saints and the saints that have already been standing with us. There have been some for the last four years that have been faithful. Um, but you know what I'm saying. My point is, we really girded that up in prayer. And I, just, I feel like we almost need the seven weeks of prayer following. <laughs> but we can't do that. Why? Because we're going into another nation. We have to be able to be full and hungry. We have to be able to you know, suffer that need and to abound. That's where we are. We're kind of in this vacuum where all these on, these influences are going on where we're defending what we've done but we're having to look forward to what we're, we're what God wants to do in France and in the continent of Europe so we we can't stand here idle Whew. Wow, that's our way I'm gonna take another nap <laughs> I mean I've taken naps but that didn't mean that I was falling down on the other parts of what my responsibilities were I have felt so burdened by what God has just deposited and, and really feel the weight of just the rest of the summer. It's not over, or the rest of this year, I should say, because it's not over. And it's my job to continue to stand regardless of what my duty is. I'm not going to France, but that doesn't make my duty any less, you know, responsible for what my part is in standing here in this, in this terrio. So, um, let's look at um, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So Paul, being at the right hand of God, was found, was found there, and therefore he was used in these powerful ways. And something that I didn't mention at the outset, which I should have, was the importance of this letter from Paul to Timothy, a new pastor. I mean, he's really talking about some foundational things. So, again, not something that, you know, um, wasn't something that, that Timothy wouldn't understand, but something that Timothy may not have encountered yet. He didn't have those responsibilities as a pastor. But Paul was really trying to make him aware of the things he was going to be faced with um, in accepting this pastoral responsibility. And, he, and you know, Paul is like, you're going to be endued like this. This is what God did for me, but this is for you as well. So really, it was up to, to Timothy, Timothy to accept that commissioning, to accept his calling, and then to pursue these things before the Lord as he was being instructed. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 17 and 18. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, 
and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In this passage, I really just wanted to highlight how the Lord is standing with you. He is standing right there in the histemi, and he is praying for you and supporting you and supporting what you will be asked to do, just like he did with Paul. And I really love verse 18. He's going to deliver me from every evil work. This is Paul's statement. This has to be the way we look at our mission because oftentimes it will not look like we will be delivered or that something might overtake us, but he is going to deliver us. We may have to wait. We may have to stand. We may have to war. But the Lord is our deliverer. And that's our assurance. And I, I gave you the definition of sozo as well. It's to be made free from any type of limitation, oppression, or bondage. So he's going to make you, uh, put you in a position where you can fulfill your calling. And I love that. Now, as you can see, I did some little handwriting change-ups here. Because as I was looking at this in the car, I realized that the warfare actually starts here. What I was doing initially was just titling these based on whatever the scripture said. But honestly, how to war begins in verse 3, and it goes into verse 4. So we're going to have how to war, and um, the next verse will be part 2 of that. So that's why you have your little mark through and uh, the new title. Because we want to talk about what the warfare is going to entail. And I actually made this the prophet. Second Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're going to take this verse even in two parts. I'm going to focus on enduring hardness. And then when we hit part two, we'll talk about the good soldier. This word for hardness is really interesting. We've talked about it in the past, and I think we've dwelt upon it quite a bit, but this, we need to look at this from new, with new lenses. And that is, this is something that is specifically coming against the mission. It's not just something that we're all enduring. It's not just something difficult that you endure. You're enduring it on behalf of the mission. What is the mission? The mission is to teach others, to make disciples, so that they can, in turn, also teach. They've got to stand in their histeme. They've got to stand there, just like you have your faithful saints in France, teaching you know, their people. Um, they are the foothold. We, we are not, we bring the message to them, but they have to um, claim their land the indigenous people. So let's look at what, what's happening here. The, the definition out of Strong's is to undergo hardship, to be afflicted, to endure afflictions, to suffer trouble. That's a lot of things to say the same thing, right? But let's look at Kakos, which we have recently um, discussed in this class as well. But I'm going to reiterate some of these points. 
because this is what we are facing. So the Kakos describes the corruption of the current world system. We liken it unto the Old Testament raw, which we know is twisted purpose. So in the New Testament, Kakos represents the twisted purpose. Kalos is the good soldier. Kalos is the enduring purpose of God. But it speaks of the refuse of this world. It's a foul quality that crusts over something that is, a, that is attempting to grow or spread. And as an example, and of course what we're talking about, is the apostolic heart of our mission. It wants to crust over that. It wants to keep it from fulfilling its mission. If we're not careful, the world system offers, offers alternative agendas that can become our passion. This will disrupt our singular holy pursuit by causing a cooling and hardening of our mission for the Lord and His purpose. This is a warfare that we're fighting to overcome. And it comes against you personally. It comes against you in the midst of your personal circumstance. It has to do with the decisions you're making, the people you're with, the places you're going, the way you're fulfilling your time, um, what your passions are being geared toward. Um, I'll be honest, whenever I was doing Hannah's wedding, um, and that was a year, um, I continued to do all the things that I do here, so nothing disrupted my schedule, but it wasn't until after the wedding that I realized how much it had actually impacted me emotionally. I mean, just the whole thing was just huge. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know if I took care. I mean, I, would, I was still faithful to do everything. There was nothing that I, that I shirked on. It wasn't that, but there's still an emotional investment that I gave that I know became sort of a priority <laughs> over my emotional investment, my passion for what we do here. And you know what? In 27 years, I can say that's the first time that's happened. Because even with the things I've dealt with, like with, you know, both of my children not being here and that being kind of a, um, something that I've had to overcome, but I did overcome that. I mean, I had to pray for them, but not make that my focus. So this just kind of came at me, you know, in this little flowery container. And I, you know, I didn't recognize it for what it was. So what I'm saying is that some of the things that that had to do with the world system are things like weddings. Now, we know Jesus went to the wedding, so we don't say you can't go to weddings and all that. You can't have weddings, okay? But we have to look at this warfare as something that has to do with your life and what could be interfering with your, per, your, your passion, the depth of the passion that you have for what you're doing for the Lord, and that it doesn't encroach on that. Um, because when that does happen, I do believe you are vulnerable to other things, such as just your soulish desires. What, what is your desire? Is your soulish desire outweighing the spiritual desire you have? I mean, your soulish desire breathing, should be breathing after the Spirit of the Lord, but the thing is, it has an option. It can breathe after something else. So your soul is kind of the... The, the marker there, what are you breathing after? You've got your spirit, it's over here. Yep, yep, ready to go, let's do it, let's do it. Your soul's like, well, I gotta go taste this cake. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm making it funny, but the thing is, 
that's kind of the way some of the decisions are made. And so um, I feel like, and this pathos, look at this, and it's, it's an affliction of the mind. I feel like we can become afflicted in our minds um, to be vexed or to suffer because of a difficult trial and that it actually gets a stronghold in your life and it can take you out. The other, uh, the other way that this is used is talking about uh, inordinate affections or passions. So obviously lusting after things that are impure. So some of the things that you're going after are not impure things. There is a difference, but they still can be something that takes you off of your course. So having spent a long time on that, let's move on to 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. And this is a cute little fourfold that I made. But watch thou in all things. Be sober in circumstance when utilizing your voice. Endure afflictions, being made contract through these afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist, the evangelist being sent forth as lightning and make full proof of your ministry, bringing to completion whatever God has asked you to do is the earthquake and seeing that, that change. That word for proof of the ministry is pleroforeo, and it really is talking about a burden and a burden being fulfilled. I thought that was interesting. And what, oh, the word of the evangelist. There's a typo, people. Where's my pen? And that's what happens when you get up in the morning and you make some changes. Work of the evangelist is what that's supposed to say. And we, we're talking about you're not an evangelist, but you're to do the work of an evangelist. What is that? You're a messenger of the good news. You know your message. You should be living your message. You're applying grace cures in your life and in the place where you're being called to stand. You're, you're asked to give uh, grace remedies to remove obstacles for functioning going forward. You're to welcome the dunamis in order to change atmospheres. That is our calling as intercessors. It really is. So let's look at James 5.13. Any, is any among you afflicted? This is the same word um, that we've been looking at. The kakopatheo. Let him prosukomai. Wow. There's your solution. If you are dealing with this influence, if you are struggling in your mind, if you're warring in your mind, if you may not know if you've given your passions to something else. I think at this point, again, some, some of these lines that we cross can be tricky um, not knowing that we're, we're doing that, like I said about myself. Um, but this praying, this prosukamai, is we know the prayer of supplication and receiving that insight in order to make uh, the timely declaration. This is the revelation that God gives to bring solutions to where we're standing. It brings solutions to and answers to the warfare that we are warring. It brings breakthrough. It helps us to overcome. It brings creative strategies so that we, if there's something he wants us to do, we've got that insight. That is through our partnership in supplication. 
So, afflicted, proskuneo. That is your answer if you're dealing with something like this. This is how we'll overcome. And again, you know, these new saints don't know these principles, but I'm praying some of these things into them that they, you know, they would do and then teach, you know, like kind of we did. They might start doing something, but not know that that's what it's called or that's what they're doing. But God would give them creativity in their strategies that, that he would, because they've got to manage their, their churches. They've got to manage new people. Think about what we had to do 27 years ago. And it was so much fun. And then it wasn't. Because there became a dissension in the house. People started to not like what we were doing. Talking about people. And, you know, conspiring in the gold foyer. And, and then they would leave. Think about what these guys are going to face. This is a huge loss. It's overcoming your expectations for what your house and what your church and what your ministry is supposed to look like is just is a monumental thing to overcome so we have got to be praying for them that they would give him that they would give them as leaders whatever god gave our pastor because whatever that was that he overcame in is what we need them to overcome in we need them to accept this message no matter what the cost see christians read those verses every day they say they're willing to pay whatever it costs. And how many people have we seen not willing to do that? Well, three-fourths of this congregation wasn't willing. That was the better part of who we were when this started. So when they said they you know, were willing to do anything for Christ, that would just turned out not to be true. That's what, it, that's what it turned out to be. And so you have to be willing to lose in order to gain. And I think I read that somewhere. But, the, I mean, God, this is so big. This is so big, but God's going to do it. And that's the thing. And I, I mean, praying for them, I, I just pray as we have beforehand, you know, Lord, give me this mountain. You know, give me these saints. Give us these saints. That's what I'm praying. Because I can't do it. All, he can do it. I can't do it. And even they can't do it. Without God, they got nothing. So they have to be calling upon them. And it's so, it's so important that we partner with them. We gave them the tools, but now we have to see it through. It's like kind of like being the doctor with the baby that's coming out. You can't walk out the room and let the baby fall on the floor. I mean, we got to catch the baby. Um, so let's look at part two, 2 Timothy 1.4. And let's remember the part about the good soldier because these words are all derivatives of one another. No man that warreth, entangles himself with the affairs of this life then he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier so in these two passages three and four soldier is two different words but they are derivatives of one another so let's look at some of these definitions so war no I think what did I do here okay there it is I'm sorry I gotta, I gotta keep up with myself um so war is to serve in a military campaign, figuratively to ex execute the, uh, 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 <laughs> wow, it's like my brain and my tongue decided not to work together. Um, apostolate 
with its arduous duties and functions to contend with carnal inclinations. So again, part of what is coming against you are these carnal inclinations. We have to get away from the fact that you're at the Piggly Wiggly knocking it over or you're at the bar having, you know, whatever. This is not about what you look, think of as carnal. Your carnality is going to look a little differently, but it's still carnal because it's a pursuit other than what is spiritual, okay? So this is our warfare, and I'm telling you, the enemy wants us to get entwined with this world. It wants us to feel um, almost be beholden to its ways. And we've seen that. I mean, in a, in a global scope, we've seen how they're telling us we have to mind all their manners, be politically correct, do all the things the way they see it. And we're kind of towing the line on that. We're not causing any problems, are we? We're not making any waves. We're not going out of our way to say these things, what they say we can't say anymore, or do the things we can't do anymore. I mean, so we are sort of towing the line on that. But we have to pick our fights. We have to know when to take a stand, what's important to take a stand on. So I'm not asking you to go out and start doing stuff. Where's Rick when you need him? We, <laughs> we love Rick. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. So a soldier are these two words. In this case, it's um, the stra stratologeo or logeo. But in, the, in verse 3, it is, um, where is that verse? Because, good gracious... Oh, uh, stratiotis, okay? But it's talking about a, ka a kalos stratiotis. So someone who is representing the good purpose of the Lord. And then the stratologeo, what do we see there? We see the foundational laying forth, right, of the logos. That's what this soldier is doing. And it comes from the word stratia, which describes a band of soldiers or an encampment and it also refers to the heavenly host. And then it comes from the root word, which means to spread. And it, it was talking about like the spreading of the encampment, like how soldiers make an army camp and they spread out. That's what it's talking about. But one of the correlations it made, it said it's like the histeme, which is the stereos, that means also to spread. So as a good soldier who has been given this commission to spread the gospel, to spread the word of God, that's what we're doing. We are spreading. We are taking, going from the systeme to spread this message. And we're asking the indigenous people to do the same in their, in their lands. And let's look at what entangle means. It means to entwine. And that's why I was saying you kind of get caught up. I mean, once you've entwined something, it is really hard to pull it apart. I mean, a rope is hard to undo. So when you entwine, once you've entwined and made yourself a part of something else, it can be pretty hard to wrestle free from that. And I've thought about that in respect to my own life with my children. I mean, it is, it is harder to deal with them personally because of where they are in life. And I have to make sure that I am not entwining myself with the life that they are creating. I still have to be the example of the life that I am while still loving them. 
It is so hard not to become entwined in the things that they're doing because they're not doing bad stuff. I mean, even Tucker, he's not doing bad stuff. He's just not here. He's not, you know, he's not living for the Lord. But to be caught up in what he's doing and making that part of my, you know what I mean? I can't do that. And, and you kind of do that sometimes. You don't know you're doing it. So once you do that, how do you let go again? It gets harder. I'm just here to tell you that I have felt, you know, what am I really willing to let go of? I got to ask myself that question. Am I willing to die to that? Oh my God. Can I lay that down? I mean, see, 27 years ago, no question. It was like, boom, throw that out. Boom, throw that out. This is out. This is over. I'm done with this. I mean, it was walking away and I didn't care what was burning in my, in my wake. I really didn't care what I lost. It, there was absolutely no question what I was willing to give up. And even my mother can attest to that, <laughs> much to her chagrin, because uh, she didn't understand, you know, what was happening to me. But, and I didn't know how to explain it uh, to her because our lives were completely different in the church. Our understandings were different. And so no matter what I said, she didn't understand what I meant regarding that. So, but there was no question about what I was going to do and, uh, and over the years, I, of course, we've had to do this um, over the years. This wasn't just one time and then one time again. I mean, it's over the years. You're continually laying things down. You're, you're continually willing to let go of something. And now I find myself, I'm 110 years old and, <laughs> well, only 58. But, you know, I'm, I'm, and some things that I have are just, you know, I mean, I can live with that. I mean, I can walk with this. This is not that heavy. This is not too much to take with me. I'm not going to stop doing my mission, but some of these things are, you know, how do I let that go? Because a lot of those things are my personal things. They're, they're my family. It is a thing, folks. It is a huge thing. And I know I'm not alone, even though you may not have children, that may not be your thing. But I feel like I'm dragging my kids along. I'm trying to keep them in the loop. I'm trying to keep them on board. Even though I'm not saying a word to them about what they should be doing, I'm just trying to set an example of what to do. But still, in the midst of it, you know, <laughs> start doing as the Romans do. I don't know if that's always a wise thing. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a struggle I'm having. And I'm not here to, you know, ask for prayer or anything else. I'm trying to give you something that is real. Because what's happening in your life is just as real. And I, and I thank God I don't know about it because I might start pointing it out. But I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But the affairs of this world are just transaction. They're negotiation. Look at that word pragmatic. They're pragmatic things. They don't seem like they're really that big of a deal. It's just something you might busy yourself with. Isn't that funny? I mean, that sounds pretty innocuous, right? Anyway, I guess we've got to move on. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1.18. So again, Paul talking to his son in the faith. I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before you, that you might war a good warfare. Okay, this is something that we have used over the years. Um, a good banner for us. That when, some, when God gives you something, a promise, that's what we're warring with. Yes, we have to... We had to police our lives and what we're giving ourselves to and our minds, what we're thinking, what we're, you know, what our minds are, you know, 
flooded over with, whatever that is. But we also have to take hold of the promises and let that be what's, what helps us make our stand because that's what we believe in at all costs. And again, it's a good warfare. It's a Kalos warfare. It's part of the purpose of the Lord. The warfare that we wage is part of his purpose for us. It's part of his plan. It's kind of like the, the bird that's trying to get out of the nest or the butterfly getting out of the thing. That's part of the strengthening. There is no strengthening without the warfare. This warfare teaches us something. It also refines us. I mean, I, I feel like I mean, there may be something that we're going to come into that, that touches on that. You know, I can't remember at this point. But if maybe we'll get lucky. Um, but the point is, the warfare that you wage is refining you. It is teaching you something. It is making you stronger so that in the next season, you've got, you know, you've got more to, um, to, to strengthen you in the battle to overcome. If you don't war the warfare in this season, not only will you be worn over that in the next season, but then whatever else is next. We got to overcome in this season. So whatever is going on in your life, you know, we got to lay it down. We got to bring it before the Lord. We have to submit it, cleanse it, and, and ask the Lord to give us that, that overcoming grace, that dunamis grace, in order to fulfill this mission. Um, so that's where we are. I like this next one uh, because, well, let's look at it. James 4.1. From, from whence come the wars and fightings among you? These are different words that are used to describe that. Um, come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? So basically, all their infighting, it all had to do with what their own problems were. That's what caused the problems in the house. We like to point the finger and say, it's someone else's fault that this is happening to me. Someone's not recognizing me. Someone's not giving me my position. Someone, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't point to anyone but Patrick, because usually he's the culprit of all of our woes, right? <laughs> but but when, we had, when we had a lot of people, you know, I remember just talking about, you know, an intercessor we know really well that kind of got pinpointed by some ladies who, you know, thought she had a demon. Oh, my God. Somebody help me. I know who had the demon. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. thing is, people are dealing with their own iniquities. People are dealing with their own stuff, and that can cause problems. I'm so glad we've come a long way. We're not there yet. We're still dealing with it, but we're, we're in a much different place than we were, and I, I do believe um, we're on the right path. But the problems happen when we have infighting or issues with each other. You need to just stop and look at yourself. I don't care what happened. I don't care what someone did to you. I don't care if you feel like you've been wrong to the nth degree and you are right. If you, no matter how right you are, why is it a problem? I mean, really, because if we are to forgive no matter what and go on, we got to look at ourselves. There's some reason why it happened. There's a reason why there was a reaction. And there's something God wants to deal with in, in me or in you. So look at yourself first. First Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims and abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. These are the things we've been talking about. I love this next part just because I really didn't understand it. I'll be honest. I didn't get what was going on here. Um, but in 2 Timothy 2, 5 through 7, it's just a continuation of the examples that Paul is giving to Timothy. You have to endure hardness like a good soldier, 
and you have to be an athlete who's willing to fight fair and you have to be a farmer who's willing to work hard and as being a partaker of the fruits first means that you embody what you're doing before you do anything with it. Before you feed others, you're being fed by what your labors are. I love this. Those are three fabulous examples of Paul to Timothy on how to overcome. And then it says in verse 7, Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Exercise your mind. Put these things together mentally. Understand what God is showing you. If you're at the right hand, if you're, if you're in supplication, you're going to have the information you need to overcome, but you've got to apply your mind to it, and you have got to put it together. <laughs> I mean, don't wallow around like you don't know what's going on. And look at yourself first before you look at others. And then in, uh, let me see what we're doing on time. Oh, we're just doing. 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. This is, oh, the athletes and farmers I put as the teacher. And then the word is not bound, the evangelist. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto, bound, unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Yes, I put this as the, as the evangelist because I thought, regardless of what is happening to us, the word is free to do its work. And once you've released the word, it's out there and God can use it. So we still have to suffer trouble, this cacopathia. We're still dealing with that. Not only that, we're counted as cacos ourselves. Look at the world. They call us evil. They say that we're the ones that are evil. We're the ones that are bad. Okay? And so we're counted as evildoers. And we do so... They might even put us in bonds. But it doesn't matter. We, have, we are here to, to uh, fulfill our mission of teaching this message, of raising up saints and sons, and that word is going to accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. It is not bound. So we can all say a hallelujah for that, despite our personal challenges, right? So here we are at our last section, Enduring All Things is the Pastor. In 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain, obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This, this really is, um, this is what we want to see. What we, have, what we have done here together. I remember, of course, we've been going out for 20-some years, but I feel like our body has remained in this work as the elect's sake. In other words, we together have, have continued to move forward <clears throat> in the new thing and in grace and in and foraging this new pathway and supporting the apostolic mission no matter what. And we've done all this, our sacrifices, the things that we've laid down, the things that we've been willing to uh, forego in order to see this fulfillment was for the elect's sake. Because we want to see others raised up doing exactly what we're doing. I mean, when I think of the saints, um, 
in the United States. I am most, okay, what do I need to blip, blip, blip back up, um, because of the structure of the church in Florida, they are most like us. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not saying they're better saints than Teresa's church or Martha Joe or, or you know Fulton, wherever they are. They've got to do and stand where they've been called to stand. So I'm not comparing that. But God gave us a church, didn't he? He gave us a structure that was built like our own. And they have completely embodied this message. They, they fulfilled our calling of verse 1 and 2. They have taken up that mantle. They are ready and willing to do the exact same thing that we are doing. And that is what we want for all the churches in these other nations. We want that same point of commitment, that same point of embodiment of this message. And it can be done, right? We know it can be done. Because I don't even think we were praying for y'all back then. Y'all made it anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Holy I'm just playing. But we didn't, I can't say that we knew a whole lot of what we were doing or the warfare that we were doing, conducting. I mean, you know, so yes, we probably prayed for you, but I can't say that we always prayed for you in, in an understanding or, in, you know, what, what was going on. But we're very thankful that God raised you up and preserved you. Um, so let's look at these words. To endure, this is a new word. So this is not the same word that we had earlier in our teaching. This is hupomeno, which should be familiar to you guys. It means to remain under your appointed place of abiding. So while a very old foundational tried and true uh, mantra of this house, this is one of the ways that we overcome. This is a very crucial way that you overcome. And, I mean, sometimes if you don't, can't do anything else, and if you'll just be willing to stand in your position, you'll make it. If you don't allow the cacopatheo to open your mouth and start spewing out crap, you'll make it. Because if you start doing that, you might not make it. I don't know. Because the point here is that you're in your assigned placement. You're under the covering of what you've been called to do. You're not resisting it. You're not coming against it. Okay? You're willing to abide in that place. And I can tell you, that, I, and I know I'm not alone, that place can be a pretty small place. It can be a place where you're not doing a whole lot. It can seem not very important. There are a lot of things you encounter when you're just abiding in this singular place. And I think that God brought it home for us in the last three years with COVID. He took that evil thing and made it really an amazing thing for us. And that is, how do we set up our own altar? How do we rely upon ourselves before the Lord? How do we become okay with doing only that? He made all of us do that. He didn't just make me do that. He made Pastor do that. You know? I'm sure, I'm sure that first year was probably his hardest year. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it was the second year. Because the first year he understood there were dangers, so I can't go anywhere. But when things started opening up, he's thinking, why am I, I not going out? I got to text this message. I got to make these things. I got to do this and that, right? That's what you're thinking because that's your calling. So you want to get into your calling. You want to do and fulfill the thing. But God was like, nope, you're waiting here too. I mean, you've got to learn to wait as well. You have to learn to, it was a completely different ball game. And it's something that God was trying to teach us for all these years. And he did. I mean, it was happening over time. It wasn't like we weren't, didn't learn anything before 2020. 
but I, he really brought the message home and I think that a lot of us learned a lot regarding our relationship with our Father and how we can stand in our position and that's, and that's going to be okay. No matter what happens going forward, we have, this is who we are. I know this is who I am. This is what I think every saint came away with. This is who I am. This is who I know I rely upon. This is how I'm going to go forward. No matter what else is going on around me, this is the thing that's happening. He really established that, I think, for each one of us. Um, so even though in the beginning years we did rely upon each other, we were all learning, intercessors together in little pods, you know, kind of running around, well, what you get? I don't know what you get. I didn't get nothing. Well, what you get? And um, I was the one that said I got nothing. So um, just in case you were wondering who I was talking about. Um, but then, you know, he did start separating us, and he began to develop us in different ways. And I think all that led up to how we were being prepared in these last few years. But we're in a new season now, so the preparation's going to be a little different. I think we've been talking about warfare. We have warred some over the years, but I think, I think we're, we're really going to see some dynamic changes when it comes to how we stand in that. We have to rely upon what we just learned, but we also have to apply these principles to ourselves um, in order to, con to maintain who we are and where we're standing. I did put some verses for you here where this word, hupomeno, is used. And um, look at that. If you endure to the end, you'll be saved. Being patient in tribulation. If we suffer with him, we reign with him. Um, Jesus endured the cross, so this is something that he abided under. He remained faithful and under what the Father had ordained him to do by going to the cross, which is the ultimate of all enduring. And then, of course, we endure chastening in order to be sons. Um, then this word, to obtain, that others may obtain this salvation is this word tigcheno, which is connected to being an intercessor or, or intercession. That's in tigcheno. This is this, the last part of that, which is talking about our state of readiness um, to light upon something, to hit the target, to acquire it, to make sure it's functioning properly. So we want them, we want to cause others to hit the mark, to hit the target, to begin to function. And other verses where this is used is I love this. I think Pastor's taught on this before, but of course it was a while back, and I don't remember one thing you said about it. And I'm sorry. <laughs> it might be in line up online, but I think I looked at it, and it, this wasn't specifically mentioned. But God wrought special miracles, so there are Tig Chano miracles. I think that's kind of cool. Maybe it's something that lights upon a situation and bring something to function through that miracle. And then Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry, and that was talking about the um, order of Melchizedek and the, the priesthood and whatnot. So, thank you, Father, for this study. I thank you for leading me through it and for helping me to communicate this. I pray that that the words that have been spoken here would be edifying to the hearers and that there would be um, a good work that you would do on behalf of this word.
Father, I pray that you would strengthen us in grace, that your dunamis would come upon us in grace, and we would be your faithful, loyal, and obedient sons in this mission. I pray that, and I don't feel like I'm a good warfare, or warrior, I pray that you would teach me how to war more effectively, that you would teach me how to come to you more quickly. Um, give me a ready and willing heart. Give us all this ready and willing heart. Be with us throughout this day. Anoint your servants for ministry. Help us to receive all that you have and to give all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>